And so today we're learning about the Lord's Prayer. We're in the middle of several weeks on it. Several weeks ago, uh, we looked at Luke 11, 1 through 13, and it was in the context of the disciples walking upon Jesus when he was alone and praying by himself. They overheard him pray and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And here we're in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount, and we're right in the middle of chapter 6, uh, and, and Jesus says, when you pray, say. And so what, is, what I want to show you here is that it's the exact uh, model prayer, but one, it's used for instruction. The other, it's used for exhortation. One's used in Jesus' teaching individually, and the other is used in his preaching. And it makes perfect sense because we look at Matthew 11, verse 1. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And so when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, he taught them using this model prayer. And when he exhorts them, that is, he teaches with an, with an emphasis on application, we're looking at it here in Matthew. And in my studies of this, really, it's, it's been more comforting uh, for me to do this for myself, and I give you what I'm learning but I, I really think it's a good idea for all of us once a year to read a book on prayer, uh, to read a book on marriage, to read a book on church history or mission. It just recenters you. It keeps it good. This is what it's all about, and this is why we pray. And so uh, it's, it's fun to go through this with you. And we now reach the prayer proper. And J.I. Packer, in one of his commentaries, uh, said he doesn't know why, and I don't either, but it seems like P is a favorite among preachers' alliterations. And so here's the outline uh, for the Lord's Prayer. It's divided into four parts. We're going to look at the person of God and then his priorities, that is his power and purpose on earth. And then next week, we're going to look at the problems we face, that we need things. We need provision. Uh, we need forgiveness. We need pardon. And we need protection from the evil one, from temptation. And that's all built upon principle. And so today we're going to look at the person of God and the priorities of God. And you're going to see both times that Jesus taught in his individual instruction, in his uh, corporate exhortation, he begins with the Father and he begins with God's global reverence. He begins with the glory of God. And then he moves to personal needs and requests. God's glory comes before our necessities. We fit as this prayer fits into a bigger sermon and this sermon into a bigger life and this life as the central uh, activity of the scriptures we fit into a bigger story so all the more reason that we talk to God first and foremost about his glory does that mean there are times in your life when it's an emergency that you have to go through this model prayer no it's a model but in our normal prayers in our designated prayers when we begin our day or our prayer time it is good to begin with the things of God we have the privilege of being part of his plan and so Jesus says in verse 9 pray then like this he begins with pray then or pray therefore we've been warned last week of merely pleasing people with our prayers we're not to be like the hypocrites and then here uh, right after that, it's don't be like the Gentiles, meaningless prayer. So go back one slide, pray then. It's not about being mechanical. Jesus is showing you how to pray as a general guide. 
And so he tells you then, pray then like this. So he says that he doesn't say pray only this. He says pray like this. It's a Greek term that the King James Version does a good job. Pray then after this manner or in this way. And so the word means pray similarly. Uh, this prayer is sometimes to be repeated, often to be emulated, never to be mimicked, never just to be uh, quickly moved through as if I said my prayers like I did when I was a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And some people, uh, we learned the other week at a dinner, some people switch that last verse up. But I often said that as a kid, not knowing. Sometimes I would reflect on it. But more often than not, I just went through and said it, mimicked it. There was no, there was no real discussion between myself and my Creator. So pray then like this. And he begins with our Father in heaven. And I'm going to walk you through the words of these phrases because every single one of them is incredibly important. Uh, when we were going through the Ten Commandments, I was absolutely amazed how, the, how God could, in very few words, in the Ten Commandments, He basically put a worldview together. And as the more I look at this prayer, that is exactly what Jesus is doing here. Very succinct, very to the point. Every single word counts. Our Father. If you look back, uh, you can either put your finger here and turn to Luke 11 in your Bible, or it's going to be up on the screen. If you look back when we went over Luke 11, 1 and 2, notice he says, when you pray, say, he just said, Father. He didn't say, our Father. Why didn't Jesus say, our Father at that time? I believe it's because if you look at verse 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That Jesus had been praying individually on his own. He had been praying verbally. We emphasize that when you pray say, it means to speak, to use verb, to use your sound of your voice. That doesn't mean you can't pray in your head. We'll answer. If you're just joining us, we're having like the last week of this series is the what if questions because every time you teach on prayer, everybody, should I pray in my head? Should I pray out loud? Should I pray standing, sitting, etc., etc., etc. But here he says, Father. He doesn't say our Father, and I think the reason is is he's teaching them how to pray individually. But if you go back to Matthew now, he says, Our Father. This is a corporate prayer. The Christian life was meant to be lived together, and that involves our corporate prayers. And he says, Our Father. We don't see this when we read the Bible. We say, Oh, our Father. But if you were to go back and read the Old Testament, only 14 times is the word Father used, and very rarely is it used in direct uh, conversation with God. This was rare. For Jesus to say what he just said here, he's turning the world upside down. Our Father. Father. Pater in Greek. Let me give you a few definitions of Father and what I think it means here. The first one is the immediate biological ancestor. I'll just use myself as an example. That would be Philip Marion Rumley. That is my father. One from whom is descended and generated at least a several, several generations removed, i.e. a grandfather. That would be my grandfather, Paul Rumley. 
one who provides moral and intellectual upbringing. I, I would say my spiritual father, I had a physical father, Phil Rumley, wonderful man, but I have a spiritual father named Tom Nelson. And it's interesting that you fruit doesn't fall far from the trees. If we look around at some of the mannerisms we have, uh, we have those because of our parents. We have those because of those who are above us and teach us and we emulate them, whether we uh, do it on purpose or not. I was sitting Friday at a, at a friend's table, Dr. Jim Hamilton's table. We were having lunch and his wife said to me, you sound so much like Tommy Nelson. Is that just you? And I said, or are you are trying to do that? And I said, I can't help it. The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I use a credit card when I make lines in my Bible because that's what he did. I'm not telling you you need to do that. That's just what I do because he's my spiritual father. He, he helped me understand the scriptures and intellectually bring me up in the text. But that's not what we're getting at here. Sometimes it's a title of respectful address. That's what our Catholic friends do. They call those who are overseeing them fathers. Another sermon for another day. Revered or deceased persons with whom one shares belief or traditions, often used in the Old Testament. And you can see it in the book of Acts. When our fathers did this, when our fathers did that, or in in the secular world, this is the father of modern philosophy. It's just one to denote who's gone before and we share in those traditions. But none of those are what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at the supreme deity who is responsible for the origin and care of all that exists. And he specifically chose the word father, that he is the creator, he is the sustainer. And when we see that, when we see our father, we should see he is the one who created the world. He is the one who sustains us. And it's our father that we can now relate to him with an intimacy. This isn't a business relationship. He doesn't offer goods that we consume. This is a relationship between the creator of the universe, sustainer of the universe, and us. Other versions say sometimes the word that's used here, uh, Abba, that we can call him Daddy. And that is true. But I think we live in a world where this aspect of God's fatherhood is often overemphasized. Because if you notice, it does say our father, but then there's a difference. It's our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. He is incomparable, as I said last week, to any father on earth. As good as they are, they are flawed. And when men, you realize this, if you have kids, this is both humbling and helpful. Humbling in that we are not and should not be the center of our children's world. Jesus should be. Helpful in that we can point our kids to a perfect father. We are imperfect. He is not. We fall short. He never does. There's an infinite distance between our father in heaven and us. And so is he daddy? Can we, in some sense, to give you an illustration, climb into his lap? absolute, but he is a divine daddy. Listen to this quote. The first and most foundational distinction is what I just mentioned. An infinite chasm exists between the author of the story and everything that occurs within the story. There is an unbridgeable gulf, at least from our side, between the creator 
and his creation. Now, what I'm about to read to you is a quote, but if you wanted to do it, if you're a note taker, um, follow what he says here. Take out a sheet of paper. Write the word God and draw a line under it. Then put everything you can think of below that line. Everything. Include plants, rocks, dolphins, and people. Why dolphins? I don't know. For we are all creatures who exist below the line. What about souls? They were created by God, so put them below the line. Angels, them too. What about heaven? It also goes below the line. Heaven is not a part of God, right? We're not pantheists, but it is a place within the creation where God most directly reveals his glory. Even in heaven, an immeasurable gap exists between finite angels and their infinite God. Thank you, Michael Whitmer. And so there's this transcendence between us and God, our Father in heaven. Yet, yet, beloved, you and I get to call him Father, Daddy. There is an intimacy. This is a rare relationship of reverence. And my friends, we do not get to call God as Father until better yet, because Jesus is Son. This is where I'm going to talk about the gospel. Unbelievers cannot call God their Father. In fact, John 8, 44, Jesus said of the Jews, and it extends to all who don't know the Lord Jesus, you are of your father, the devil, and you will do, your will is to do your father's desire. He is a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. Ephesians 2 says this, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. This is not the prince of peace that we sang about earlier. This is the spirit that is now at the work in the, look at the familial language, the sons of disobedience. Here's the key. It's why John 8, 44 doesn't just, uh, isn't just limited to the Jews, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, By nature, children, family language, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's who we were. We were children with a different father. Now, I don't have it up there, but listen to what it says in the rest of Ephesians 2. A major contrast comes, but God. But God, yes, that God who is in heaven, that God who is 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 in this infinite chasm between us and the world. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, I could add, even when we were children, Satan made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
so that in the coming ages, that would be one of these now, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We have God the Father because of Christ the Son. And so this is a communal relationship. It's a personal relationship. It is a spiritual relationship. It's a gospel relationship. J.R. Packer says it like this. To be right with God the judge is a great thing. Amen? Your sins have been forgiven. You have been pardoned. God is no longer looking at you with wrath. He looks at you and says, this is my child. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is even greater. Even greater. And I would say that especially as we pray. Absolutely, we are working on accuracy in our prayers, but don't miss the intimacy of your prayers. Sometimes we can overemphasize God the judge when we flatten our relationship with him. That, that God has a special relationship with his children through Jesus Christ the Son, and he wants us to grow and mature, but he works with us where we're at. I remember my little girl uh, in kindergarten gave me a cup of a self-portrait on there. And she has matured in her artistic ability. But I didn't receive that cup and go, what is this? Who are you? She gave me the cup and I take the cup because that came from my child. Often she's drawn pictures, uh, stick figures of me. No muscles, nothing, just a stick figure. I don't say, well, that isn't who I am because she's my child. That's what we get to approach. Here's the God who is, who is distant from the world. He is up there. He is transcendent. He, he's altogether different. He's altogether holy. And yet he comes to us. He relates to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And so we can call him our father. But we should never forget he is our father in heaven. And then the next part, that is God the person. And now we're going to see his priorities. Not only is this a community relationship, it is a personal relationship. It is now a treasured relationship. Hallowed be your name. To hallow means to treasure. It means to make glorious. We don't make God glorious. We just recognize his glory. And so when it says, hallowed be thy name, it's may, may you make me holy so that I may praise your name. Hallowed be your name. I want to glorify you, God. I want the world to see your glory. Often you've heard me talk about that we want to display God, not like a microscope, but like a telescope. We want to take something that's distant and make it look more accurate to what it really is. We are not looking down and seeing something infinitesimally small and making it bigger. We see God through a telescope and we want the world, we want to, basically, we're all watchers of stars. We want to say, come, 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 look at this. And we put, put them and let them see that telescope. Look, 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 look. And that telescope is our life. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, be glorified in my life. Hallowed be your name. What, what's in a name? 
I mean, I could mention certain names up here. I won't, I won't do it, but I could mention certain names and, and emotions and images would come to mind. So hallowed be your name. When the world hears God's name, do they look at God through this telescope and see how wonderful He is? Or because that telescope it may be broken, are they, are they not seeing God for who He really could? We want to hallow His name. We don't want to get in the way of what He's doing. In fact, uh, one of the things when I was leaving for this conference, one of the guys wrote 10 things not to do um, when you go to, together for the gospel conference. This is a conference, a gathering of 10,000 people in the Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. I said that right for you, those of you from Kentucky, Louisville. And you go there, and he said, look, things not to do. He said, make sure before you leave your hotel, you, you use the restroom. You don't want to try to fight. This is like going to a, 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 a conference. There's thousands of people, so take care of that. The other thing you don't want to do, he said, tip your waitresses. When you go out to lunch, don't be, don't be minimizing your tip. Maximize that because they're watching. So elders, I maximize my tips, right? Maximize the tips that you give because we want the world to see we are not cheap people. This is a good God and we know him by his through His Son, we want to magnify His name. It's a treasured relationship, but it's also a subordinate relationship. He is our Daddy. We can go to Him, but it's His kingdom. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. It is His kingdom. It's not my kingdom. That should be on the next slide. His kingdom. Hallowed be Your name. Here's, here's the names of God there. You can go back to that slide if you want to. You get the Elohim, the plurality of majesty, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, this plurality of majesty, leading us to the Trinity, created the heavens and the earth. The El Elyon, the Almighty, we just sang that. Genesis 14, He is all power. Is there anything too wonderful for God? He can do anything. Or Yahweh Jireh, He is the provider. Are you needing something? God's going to give you exactly what you need. And then the great word we always use, Yahweh. Go tell him, I am sent you. And Jesus picks up on this in John in seven different statements. I am. And when he said that, they knew exactly what he was talking about. That is the name of God, that he is leading us into his kingdom. Your kingdom come. It is his kingdom, not my kingdom. Too often... We get caught up in our little kingdoms. And it's about us. And it's about what we're doing. And it's about, well, I've got to do that. And, and we, get, we get blinders on and we get in this narrow little circle of what's going on. Now, we're, we can massage that a little bit and make it look a little nicer because it's not just about Judd, but I can include my wife and my three kids. And just, it's about my family's kingdom. That looks a little better, but it can still be very self-centered, very about us. That's not the kingdom he's talking about here. It's your kingdom come. That kingdom language is used all over the Bible. This prayer fits into a bigger story. It's the story of a prince who came to conquer evil and to establish his kingdom. And a right reading of the text shows that that kingdom of God is already here. It's been inaugurated. 
I'll show you here in a second. Yet it's not yet here in its fullness. One commentator reads, The Father is the Lord of heaven and earth. He has given the resurrected Jesus universal authority in heaven and on earth. In the meantime, as disciples, that is learners of Jesus, we are engaged in the gradual extension of the kingdom by our words and deeds. Our utmost desire is for the ultimate realization of God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. How does his kingdom come? It comes ethically in how we live our lives. That my individual life fits within my family and my family within a church and this church in the world that the church needs to see a different people. It happens evangelistically as we go out and we share this good news. And there's this expectation. Notice it says, your kingdom come. His kingdom is here. He is the king of all the earth. Look at, listen to Psalm 47, or you can look at it up there. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Love that. Loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. Key phrase, for God is, is the king of all the earth. Verse 7, sing praises with a psalm. God is the king of all the earth. He is the king. He rules over it. God reigns over nations, verse 8. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. We want that kingdom. He now rules. He rules over the universe. We're going we're gonna to have elections soon as to who will rule this country so to speak, who will preside, preside the president over our government. In other parts of the country, they have kings and queens on thrones. And a lot of the turmoil in the world as to who has power. Humanly speaking, they will fight. Spiritually speaking, you know who's in control. Your kingdom, you see it on the next slide, we want it to come. We want it to come not only in our individual lives, we want it to come and spread through us and extend until Jesus' return. When he will establish his both spiritual and political reign on a new heavens and a new earth. Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your reputation is what I care about. Your kingdom, I am submissive to your will. Your will be done. There's another phrase, your will. What is God's will? Often as a young singles pastor, people would come to me. I just don't know what the will of God is for my life. And we had to go get a cup of Starbucks. And we had to sit there and talk about the will of God. And I had to explain to them. Turn to Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's not up there, but this is what I would have them do. I would have them go to Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law 
And so I'd say there are two aspects to God's will. There's a hidden aspect that you will not know. That's what you're coming. You're probably coming to me talking about that will of God. I don't know what the will of God is secretly for your life, but I can deal with what's been revealed. And that is what our concern should be so that we may do the law and teach it to our children. So we're not talking about when we're praying this, your will be done. We're talking about his revealed will. God, what we know to be true of you from Genesis to Revelation, would it be done on earth as it is in heaven? Would your righteousness reign? not only in my heart, but in the hearts of my wife and my kids and the beloved people of this church, would your righteousness reign? And that means, Lord, that we need to repent of our sins. And Lord, included in your reign and included in your will being done is you're gonna, you've told us in your scriptures, you're sending your son now. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so we're asking for God's will to be done on in my life and in the world, through my life, And for the world, we need to learn of God's will. And that is, you can read simply, it was wonderful to hear in Sunday school this morning, uh, several of our, uh, I'll call them experienced men, not older men, but of our experienced men just thumbing through the scriptures saying, this is the will of God, this is the will of God, this is the will of God. Encourages my mind. So we need to learn of it. God, show me your revealed will. And then we need to live it out. God, enable me to do what you've required me to do. And there is a time when it'll come, much like it came for Jesus, that the will of God may go against our desires. Father, take this cup from me, but immediately there's no delay, but not my will, but your will. God, I know what has to be done. I know how painful it's going to be. Not my will, but your will be done. Too often, we get confused as to, we try to think because we've prayed about something and because we're in the word and in prayer and upstanding people that what we want should be what God wants. Right? Because I want this, this... This has to be a part of God's plan. Let me give you an example from the conference I was at this week, and then I'll give you a personal example. What we want may not always be according to God's plan. And, and one commentator has said this, this major emphasis, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is, a, is accomplishing God's predetermined plan on earth through our prayers. That in God's sovereignty, he has included our prayer life. I don't, those of you who may have heard of Dr. R.C. Sproul, he's a, a Presbyterian pastor down in Florida. He's not doing well. He's very sick. He goes to the hospital often. And as we were at the conference this week, he went to the hospital, hospital but was released. And during one of the Q&As, they asked John MacArthur to pray for R.C. Sproul. And it was very instructive for me to hear, what did Dr. John MacArthur pray? These guys are friends. He's a dispensationalist. He's a covenant theologian. Imagine that. They love one another. And this dispensationalist bows his head with 10,000 people. And this is paraphrase of what he said. Father, thank you for R.C. Sproul. Thank you for how you've used him. Thank you for healing him. And this is what he said that got me. He said, we, we want to R.C. to be with us. 
But when you're through with him, take him. And it was a great prayer. Now, he's not praying for the death of this man, but he understands he's getting older, and, 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 and it may not be God's will for us to have R.C. on earth much longer. But it, was a, it ministered to my heart. That's how you pray according to God's will. This is what we desire, Lord, but you may desire something different. That is a kind of a distant illustration. Let me give you one that hits close to home. It is a pleasure no lie, to be with my dad. It really is. Because I didn't think I was going to be here. Friday, I'm sitting at, in Kentucky at Dr. Hamilton's house. I'm excited to get home, get in the car, go to the airport. Starts about noon Kentucky time, so it's 10 o'clock here. Enter the airport. I've got all day. Worked on the sermon. It was nice. Land in Denver. Get some dinner. About an hour. Going to get on a plane. 45 minutes, be with my family. About that time, as you see the rain coming in, there's this murmuring throughout the terminal. Oh no, here comes the storm. I wanted to get home. That's a good thing. I had been with thousands of people this week, studying the scripture, encouraging my brother, praying, singing. You could say I'm walking in the spirit. Amen? Wanting to get home to my And so the plane's supposed to leave at 7.50 and then 8.05. And then 8.30. And then 8.55. And then 9.30. And I'm just like, are you going to cancel it or not? It was weird. The captain would walk out. He's got his little iPad showing the radar. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Lord, I would like to be home. This is me in the terminal outside the gate, gate 52. A couple minutes later, we're going to go. The ceiling is lifted. Uh, we can see we've got visibility the way we needed the gate. We're going to go. Everybody's, hallelujah, get on the plane. So we get on the plane, and we buckle up. We're going to be there in 21 minutes. I'm like, why can't you be there in 21 minutes all the time? Obviously, you, you have the ability to be there in 21 minutes. Why don't you extend it to 47 minutes normally? So I'm sitting on the plane, and 21 minutes comes by. And I'm wondering, this is not right. To which I hear, ding. <laughs> Captain didn't want to say this. Hello, this is the first officer who you're going to hate. <laughs> he didn't say uh, We're having a little bit of problems. We, don't, now we did have visibility. Now we don't have visibility. We did have the ceiling. Now we don't have the ceiling. So we've got enough fuel to go through. 30 more minutes. And so if you want to see, this, this is what my family saw. That is, so we fly five circles around the Eagle Airport. It's 1030 at night. I'm, I am not kidding. I am not kidding. He said, We're, we've got 30 minutes worth of time, a fuel, and then we have to return to Denver. I prayed, I'm not kidding you, for 30 minutes. I had prayed a prayer, and then I was going to get out my phone to try to play a game or read, try to take my, I'm like, no, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. 30 minutes I prayed. And I didn't do 
hypocritical prayers. I didn't walk up and down the aisle. Stand with me and pray as we call upon God above. I didn't do that. I was just in my seat praying, Lord, I go, Lord, I just want to get home. It's been a long day. I just, I'm, Lord, I want to get home. It crossed my mind. This is almost like the don't be like the Gentiles who offer up meaningless phrases and try to cajole God. Lord, if you'll just, I'm like, wait, I can't do that. I just taught on this. You can't bargain with God, but God, I, I, it's been a long day. I just, I just want to get home. Well, folks, I'm sorry to tell you, we're going back to Denver. Not my will, but thy will be done. This was planes, trains, and automobiles. It gets worse. We get back to Denver. Trying to call my, because I didn't know by this time we're cut off. And I'm in the, I can't text because you put it in airplane mode, those of you with your, okay. So I get off. I'm calling my wife. I'm going to have to get a hotel. And this is what I said to her. I'll just tell you, I was not perfect in this. I I can tell you, I got a little frustrated. The the words exactly to my wife was, I will call you in a few minutes. I don't want to speak anymore. I am upset. I tried it, and this is how awkward it gets. I call a hotel. Yeah, I'd like to get a hotel. This is what he says. Okay, we got about four left. I'll, I'll give you your room when you get here. Don't you want my last name or a credit card? Or oh, yeah, yeah, Rumley. Okay, that's kind of awkward. So we go down. They tell us, go to baggage claim to get your bag. Okay, Lord, I, mean, I thought they could just give them to us. It's just one of those little planes anyway. It's just right there. Can I have my bag? So we go. That was a plane. We get on a train to go to pick up the bag. The train didn't come forever. And I'm just sitting there going, get on the train. We get to baggage claim. No bag. There's confusion between this particular airline, which I'll never fly again, won't say it to you. And they can't get it right. So it's midnight. I get my bag. I, I call. Hey, I'm called earlier. Rumley, gonna, do you guys have a shuttle? I'm sorry, we're booked. I knew that was strange. I knew credit cards speak volumes to people. So I start calling others. There are other hotels for a lot more money. Oh, but our shuttles shut down at midnight. Lord, what's going on? <laughs> Lord, help. I need your help. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Okay, I'll see this. This Can you imagine submitting this to the This hotel, because nobody's going to it because it's like, couple hundreds of dollars don't doesn't do a shuttle taxis how much does it cost just to get five miles down the road to tower road uh that'll be fifty dollars so i said you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stay in in the airport my phone's about dead so i go plug it in lord i don't know i know i'll tomorrow i'll take a train so I pray, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I, I think the Lord impressed. He didn't tell me audibly. He just impressed on my heart. Try again. Start going through the list. There's another hotel who's got two rooms left. I said, can I give you my credit card? Yes, you can. <laughs> do you do shuttles? Yes, we do. So I paid good money for a three-hour nap. And, and then, then got on a CME. Those guys can but it doesn't take the normal two hours to get home. It takes longer than that because the Lord had other plans. And it was in that van on the way home, I sit, texted my wife, 
God is good. He teaches us his patience for my good and the good of others. Because I pray this will help you. This is, this is our last week of questions. Just a little preview. Come on now. I prayed, and he didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted. And I wanted to be, I even prayed for the lady sitting next to me. Her daddy was turning 85. She, she was wanting to get to Eagle to get a car to get to Aspen because they could. They, she had done that trip twice that day. Same plane, same captain. I'm praying for her. I was like, Lord, not just me. This lady wants, I mean, I was, I was, this was good. This was a good prayer. This was not meaningless. This was not, this was good. I had every, like everybody in this plane, Lord, wants to be home. There's not one person. We're the only plane in the world right now that's flying over Eagle. And he didn't answer the prayer. But he's good. Because it's his will, not mine. And I got to see Dave Baker. And I got back there and got reacquainted with Dave Baker. And got to share with him. You know, we just got to talk. It was good. He texted on the way home. Good to see you. God's in control. My will would have had me home Friday night. God and his sovereignty got me home Saturday at noon. And so there you have it. You have our Father in heaven. That, that is the person of God. Hallowed be thy name. That is the praise due his name. The coming of his kingdom. That is his power. We want to do what God is doing and his will, his purposes on earth as it is in heaven. And here's one of the statements I believe he gave me. If I don't fully understand and progress in my concern for God and his name, his kingdom, his will, then I will never fully understand and progress in my requests for what I need. More on that next week. Until then, pray a God-centered, God-glorifying, God-purposeful prayer. And when you do so, I want to end with a psalm with you. There's an expectation. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, I want what you have come, and I want that. And so pray this this week, Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Oh, by the way, I'm not done with prayer, even though he didn't answer it according to that. I'm going to pray this. Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my groaning. I wish you would have considered my groaning. No, I was groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. Why? For to you do I pray, O Lord. And here's the key. In the morning you hear my voice. God heard my prayer. God answered my prayer. His answer just happened to be, Friday night, no. But here's what was special. You hear my voice in the morning. I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch. Simple, sincere, God-centered, expectant prayers. Are we praying expectantly? God, thank you for this time together. Thank you that you, your will was accomplished on Friday, even though it wasn't mine. Your name was glorified, not mine. Your kingdom, even in that day, just the reconnecting of two brothers at midnight in an airport was done because that's what you wanted done. Thank you. 
thank you, thank you. And Lord, as I did then and I'll do now before my brothers and sisters, thank you for the forgiveness for not the whole time during that 21st hour honoring you and reverencing you. Lord, help us not to be grumblers even in our hearts when things don't go our way. Help us to see, to carry, we want to carry out your glory, not ours. We want to be a part of your big kingdom, not ours. We want to see the world converted because we have seen, taste, and understand life is better submitted to your kingdom and your will, giving you the glory. God, help us to be prayerful. Teach us to be careful. And to always be mindful. You're in control. We thank you and we praise you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.